There's a studio moving sale right now on your art. You can purchase so many of my original artworks for up to 40% off. Why? Because I'm moving and I need to move this amazing stock. Energy Field artworks from as little as $38. Original art from $38. Sadly, Christmas is just around the corner. Jump online now, yourart.com.au. Welcome everyone to the Your Say Podcast. We are at episode 63, taking on the big words today. It's a solo episode. I'm in the hot seat and we are talking about love, 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 love. So much around love has come up for me recently. So this podcast has been provoked because I think it's time I open my little heart up to love. So we're going to dive into a couple of really key things. First love, oh my God, I tell some stories there. What does love mean to me and what have I learned about that in the last two years? That's an interesting one. Making decisions around leading with love, we can all learn so much about this. Then we talk about the types of love. What does it look like? And the grand final is all on unconditional love. What the fuck does that mean? Are you in it? Do you have it? What does it look like? This is a massive health check on your love parameters. Enjoy. We are diving right in. First love, first love, first love. Who was your first love? Hmm. Mine's probably a teacher, my grade one teacher. I loved her, right? Like I didn't just love her like you love a teacher. Like I loved her. I remember wanting her to be my mom, but then I think I might've even like wanted her to hug me and I wanted to kiss her. And I had a real love for my teacher, right? So that's how love showed up for me. Obviously, you have the love that you have for your parents. But on this podcast, we're going to explore a little bit more. We're going to explore the external love. So fast forward now to my first what I would consider real love was Nikki at the ripe age of 13. Oh, to be 13 again. There'd be some parents listening to this that have 13-year-old boys or girls. I am sure of it. Now, my first love was Jay. I've asked him if I can share his name on the podcast and he said yes. He, Him and I started going out when I was 13 and we went out for two years and we were each other's firsts, firsts everything. First, oh, not first kisses, but first fingering, first base, second base, sex, head jobs, going down on me, um, all of the things. Now, I can remember we tried to have sex for a long time. Um, I shouldn't have said it that. That wasn't that long. Sorry, Jay. <laughs> but we just kind of couldn't get it together. But anyway, we lost our virginity to each other. It was actually really lovely. And he was my first love. I loved him with all of my heart. And I know now that if my 13-year-old came home and was like, oh, I'm in love and they were 13, part of me would be like, really? But then the other part of me would be like, how beautiful is it? You know, because I can remember all my love stories and I can remember so much of my childhood. And actually recently, just this weekend, I was moving and it was so interesting because out pops all the photo albums. Another important bit of information, my six-year-old son didn't know what a photo album was. He didn't know what a printed photo album looked like. And he was blown away by the fact that I was once a child. Anyway, I digress, but it was super, super interesting. And in this was all of these photos of both my first and second love, who I'll talk about in a minute. 
But going through all these photos, it was really interesting to look at them through the eyes of the person that I am today. And I'd like to think I'm far more enlightened. I'm far more self-aware. I'm far more educated. I wouldn't have looked at these photos. Mm, I don't think I even looked at them when I packed them into this home, which was two and a half years ago. So it's probably been at least five or so years, maybe even longer, maybe 10. And as I looked at some of these photos, I realized that the story I told myself about some of the inve- some of the events in my childhood was somewhat different to what the photos showed. And it was really interesting. And it was another little life lesson where I was like, we tell ourselves a story and we have a narrative in our head. And then I was looking at this particular photo of a Christmas day and I was going, oh, well, my mum doesn't have a black eye in that photo. But in my mind, the story went that my dad had hit her that day and she had a really big black eye. And it was just one of those moments where I was like, things just aren't always what they seem, right? And the narratives we tell ourselves are just narratives. They're not necessarily 100% the truth. Anyway, Jay was my first love. I learned how to be in a relationship. Uh, We loved each other very dearly. He was very much a protector of me. God, we were little rabbits. We absolutely loved having sex. We created monsters of each other. We used to wag school and get stuck into it. And I do remember this. Oh, I've never told this secret. Do I say say it? Do I not? Oh God, I'm going to say it. So this is before phones, guys. So we didn't have iPhones or anything like that. We had the old camera. So you know, we took photos of each other having sex, of all of our genitalia, and then we went down to the local Kodak store and got it developed. And I can remember us both being so scared. And these photos were graphic, right? Like they were full on. And so we must have been, I must have been 14, 15, right? I mean, that's what we did, right? Like, if our 14 year old did that now, like, oh, it's just, it, it, it's a bit creepy sometimes, right? Anyway, I'll never forget the day that we had to go and pick the photos up. We picked the photos up, we got them back and I can just remember us, they were fucking graphic and they were bloody good photos. And I can remember us just looking at them going, what the hell? Like we were like real live porn stars. And remember porn didn't exist back then. Well, it existed, but only hiring a video. So we were like, wow, look at us. You know, I'm sure he felt very manly and masculine from an energetic perspective. And yeah, wow. I think if him and I had existed in this world, we probably would have had OnlyFans at 13 and 14, which blows my mind. But I look back at it now and think, I never slept around. I had a very healthy sex life. I was only ever sleeping with him for that two years. And I learned about love and I loved him and he loved me, he loved me back. So he was my first love. And my second love went from 15 to 20. So another five-year relationship. And that was all of the things, right? All of the things that my first one was, but even more and more expansive, both with men, I might add. All the meanwhile, still lushing over women, couple of little like try to crack on to my girlfriends in amongst that five-year part. But in terms of love and learning about what that looked like, I very much mimicked what I saw on the movies. I was obsessed at a really young age with um, rom-coms and Pretty Woman and, you know, all of the Disney films that we were shown and that was the love that I would fantasize about, right? That's what love meant. And it was very much for me that I would love and then the man would love me back. And I don't know where that conditioning came from specifically. Yes, the movies had something to do with it, 
But I think because I didn't as a child necessarily feel a lot of love from my parents, I think that I was hungry for love. So I was out there trying to seek it. And if I think back now to whether I had a lot of self-love for myself back then, I don't think so. I don't think that I even really knew what it was. I was confident. I loved sex, always loved sex at a really love age, at young age, I might say. But anyway, that was my first love. Watch yours. Take this moment while you're walking, in your car, folding your washing. Give yourself the moment to just stop and think about who your first love was and what did you learn from it and then how did that kind of shape your next relationship. Coming up, let's talk about what it means to different people because love is so different to every listener. Okay, we're going to keep on going. So what does love mean to me? I'm going to tell you what it means to me now, and I want you to use this podcast as an opportunity to check in, right? It's like a love scale. So like, what does it mean to you? As you guys know, I've gone on a fucking journey, right? I've done it in front of you all. I've gone from being a full-blown lesbian, which I still declare that I am, but having this kind of like romantic interest in a guy, which just caught me by surprise, which I shared two podcasts ago, if you missed that bombshell go back and take a listen. But what I've learned about what love means to me is for me, number one, without a doubt, it is about the connection. So the connection that I have with someone. So this can be any relationship, not necessarily a sexual relationship. It can be with a friend, etc. But I want a connection that feels energetic. So there's an energy at play. There is a, oh, I love this word, like a cellular connection, right? It's kind of, it's a feeling, right? It's scientific. You can't put it into words, but when you lock eyes or you're in one another's vicinity, you just feel that space. Now, traditionally, I would say some people might refer to this as soulmate or I kind of want to say that you know straight away, but as I'm getting older and sitting in this single life currently, I kind of feel like maybe that connection is something that can grow because certainly my experience with the man whom I can share with you now. His name's Matt because he comes on the following podcast. But when I was kind of like feeling that connection with him, he wasn't feeling that connection for me. He was feeling a shared space and maybe a small connection, but not in the way that I was. And what I've learned from that experience is that he's truly connected to most souls because he's done so much work on himself and he's so self-aware and he so lives in the current moment. And I like to think for me that I do as well. And so for me, what does love mean to me? Number one, it's about connection. Number two, safety. (laughs) For me, love means safety. It's a space where you can show up completely vulnerably and authentically as you are warts and all you don't hide parts of your personality you don't hide erratic thoughts you don't hide sexual desires you feel so safe to be who you are now for me that's an ever-evolving person right i've tried so hard society, everyone out there, everyone watching the princess movies. I tried. I tried to get married. I tried to stay married. I ticked the box. I tried to be straight. I've tried to be in a lesbian relationship and and stay committed and put the photos on Instagram and have all of the things, but life had another plan for me. 
And I didn't control the breakup from my last relationship. As I've shared many times, it resulted in an affair, which my ex-partner had on me. Now that was devastating, but I don't look back at that now and go, wow, I wish we were still together. I wish she hadn't had an affair and I wish that our relationship was built on connection, but I can now look back at that relationship and realize that our attachment styles were so different and she was never going to give me and I was never going to give her the connection that I crave from a relationship. Remembering no two people's interpretation of love and need is the same. So if you want one thing and your partner wants another, then you're going to run into challenges. And this is why on this podcast, I want you to reflect now on what does love mean to you? So for me, it's around safety. And this is a big one, right? I've been single now for pushing three years and a couple of relationships here and there, but let's just say I've been single. And I feel so safe now and regulated being with self. I feel in love with myself. I don't feel safe around other people. I even struggle to feel safe in most of my friendships. Some of them I do, but only one or two. And this comes because of the betrayal, right? And I make sweeping statements, which I'm the queen of, of I'm not going to get in a relationship. I'm never going to merge money again. I'm never going to buy a house for someone else again. And, and I don't know that I will, and it's certainly not a priority, but you just don't know, right? But for me, feeling safe in a relationship, safety is being seen and having the ability to show up and be vulnerable. And I did not do that in my 10-year relationship with who I thought was the love of my life. I tried to voice my dissatisfaction around certain things in our life that caused friction. The friction caused her to pull back. That caused me to move into more of an anxious attachment style. And lo and behold, the trenches were dug. The trenches were dug, the trenches were dug. And then, you know, roll in having kids and life and jobs and all the things. And slowly but surely, I was selling myself short. I wasn't satisfied sexually. I wasn't satisfied mentally. I didn't really love the life that we were leading. It didn't necessarily align to my true values, but I pretended that it did. And this is not her fault, right? This is my responsibility. I take 100% responsibility for staying in the relationship after the affair continued. I don't um, condone her behavior. It was, it was horrific, but I could have left after the first affair. I didn't need to stay for the entire 12 months and put myself through that, but I did. And that's okay not someone that lives with regret. But I want you to sit here now, walk, drive, whatever you're doing and go, what does love mean to you? Because it really does vary from person to person. And maybe use this as an opportunity for a date night topic, check in with your partner and see kind of kind of how it feels for them. One other thing about love for me, I just touched on it then, but it's just that acceptance, right? And people can change and learn behaviors right so you can learn about something you can learn to be more accepting you can learn different skill sets i've learned to not be judgmental i've learned to stop i've learned all these skills so i absolutely believe that people can change i'm not suggesting that they don't but if you go into a relationship and you then think you're going to change them that's crazy you don't have the power over somebody else so before you're in a serious relationship Acceptance is really important because if they're inherently lazy or or not tidy or they are passionate about going to the pub once a week, they're probably not going to change that. And if you think you can change that for them, you're absolutely fucking stupid because you can't and you shouldn't want to. And once you move into a space of acceptance, 
it's such it just enhances that safety right and it and feeling accepted and accepting another so they're the things that are really important that's what love means to me safety acceptance and connection what does love mean to you guys okay i want to talk now about leading with love this is something i have learned to do i learned it from my coach two years ago i learned the terminology from my coach two years ago and i teach it to my clients right i want to talk about this because i think this is a really great golden nugget that you can use in your everyday life and it's also a tool that i teach my children particularly my 18 year old son because they're in this little bubble of life where life is viewed through a screen and snapchat and snapping and sharing and fuck and all of the things right so they are such judgmental little assholes right they really are i say that with love <laughs> but i want to talk about leading with love so when we think about making a decision in life right so i'm gonna create i'm trying to think of a real life example oh i've got one so my mum and i have a jaded relationship I think I've got to stop saying that because it's not anymore. It's actually a really healthy relationship, but we once did, right? And she recently came and stayed with me. Now I've managed to move into a space of acceptance about my mum and who she is in the last kind of 15 years, but even more so in the last 12 months. Now my mum's a smoker, as is her partner. And for many, many, like they smoked in their home up until only like two years ago. Now they smoke in their garage at home but I can't stand the smell of smoke, right? I don't want that in my house. And so she would smoke outside. Now, it would irritate the fuck out of me, right? Because the smoke would go upstairs into the balcony, it would come into my room, and then I'd walk, walk in to go to bed and my freaking bedroom smells like smoke. You're getting it, right? I'm painting the scenario well. What I realized on this trip, I had a talk to myself and went, you're gonna lead with love. You know your mum smokes and you know her partner smokes. You know it's going to shit you. So what can you do to just alleviate that 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 issue, right? Now, I asked her in the first day she got here, "Mum, can you close the glass door like when you're outside?" "Oh yeah, of course, of course, of course." I made sure my door upstairs was closed. Now, she bought her own ashtray, one of those like plastic ones that makes the smoke go away, and instead of shaming her for it, I decided not to even bring it up right i would normally take on the do you think you'll ever quit do you think you'll ever go to vaping and it's like you know what nikki not yours remember the not yours theory not your fucking problem not your business if your mum wants to smoke that is her fucking decision and so i practiced the not yours theory with my mom i was like not your problem not your problem not your problem lead with love she smokes she probably already has shame around it and so on that first kind of day moment it was kind of like frustrating me but i wasn't outwardly saying anything and then there was part of me that was like missing them because they were always sitting outside having a cigarette and so i just decided you know what i'm going to use this blanket these clothes and i'm just going to go and sit outside with them right because i'm missing out on conversation now normally i'd be like oh my god we're halfway through a board game and you're going outside but this time took my son and I out, they sat on one side of our courtyard, I sat on the other and we had some amazing conversations. Now this isn't a scenario where I would have had that really irritate me. But this time I went, 
my mum smokes. I love her. She's here. She's here for a holiday. Her, her partner came for the first time in 20 years. I'm going to lead with love and I'm just going to fucking embrace it and get over it. And I did. And subsequently, God, we had a great visit. We had a really great visit. Now, she didn't change at all. What changed was my perception and how I handled it. So when we think about leading with love, it's about acting with empathy and understanding. So you need to practice empathy, right? Some people, narcissists don't even know how to be empathetic, but some people really struggle with what empathy looks like. And I I think I've always been caring, but I think my knowledge around empathy and having empathy for others has strengthened so much after my relationship breakdown because I then realized that I thought I had this picture-perfect life and you just don't know what's going on behind closed doors. We all know that the highlight reel is Instagram and TikTok and anyone can apply some beautiful music to the background and everyone thinks life's amazing, right? But it's not real. So when you find out that someone is in trouble or things aren't going well for them, act with empathy, you know, and this can come in the way of drug addiction, it can come in the way of abuse. You know, we get to lead with love. We get to go, wow, what the fuck's happened for them that they can be so fucked up. Now it takes a really big person to be able to do this. And this is something I learned so much about when I went to Vipassana. I went for those listeners that are new and sat a 10 day silent retreat where I meditated for 14 hours a day. I did it in April this year. It was truly life-changing. I don't talk about it a lot on the podcast. I've kept it as a very private practice. I practice the principles. I meditate most days. But one of the things that we talk about is leading, or what they talk about is leading with love, always leading with compassion, always leading with love, always leading with compassion. And I really do practice this. I really, really do practice this. And honestly, fuck, I'm a better person for it. I feel like a better person. And I feel like the people around me hopefully think I'm a better person. So I think that acting with empathy and having an understanding is super, super important. The other thing around leading with love is having open communication. So if you need to make a decision about something, don't, oh, yeah, 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 I'd love to do that, when really you're thinking, no, I don't want to do that. So take ownership for you're the part that you play, right? So you've got to be, when there's a decision that needs to be made, if something's not sitting right with you, you've got to take ownership and have open communication. That is leading with love, right? You can't, you know, let's say your partner says, hey, why don't we go to such and such on Sunday and let's do this, do this, do this. And you're like, yeah, yeah, cool. Story in your mind is like, oh, fuck that. I wanted to go and have lunch at the surf club and then come home and watch movies, right? So the self-talk's going, no, no, no. But to them, you're smiling and nodding and going, yeah, 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 yeah. And then off you go, you have your day. And the whole time there's this, oh, this little voice, resentment, resentment, resentment. Fuck, I really want to do this, da, da, da. And then you start to get, get irritable. Why do you become irritable? Because you haven't shown up and been truthful. You haven't led with love and said, you know what? No, I don't really want to do that. I'd really like to do this. And then the resentment builds up, builds up, builds up. And then the, en the energy that you give it becomes energy that you're not giving yourself. And then all of a sudden you might have a bicker with your partner and then it just becomes this whole thing, right? Now, in actual fact, if we just had have had open communication in the very beginning, that entire result might've been something very, very, very different. I think the last point I wanna talk about when I think about leading with love is 
having compassion, not just for self, but having compassion for others, right? So, so often, particularly the women in the coaching containers that I've got at the moment and the the clients that I'm working with (gasps) one-on-one, women in particular and men, we all are, but I, I obviously coach women so I notice it in this space. They are so fucking hard on themselves. They are their own worst enemies. You need to lead with love to yourself first. It always starts with self. Have some compassion. Be like, fuck, that was a hectic night with the kids. Have a, you know, have a, have a drink, have a chocolate bar, have whatever you're going to do and give yourself a foot massage, but lead in with self-compassion and have a little laugh at whatever it was, right? But, you know, you've got to have that compassion for yourself because if you don't, you are so harsh and negative on yourself. And honestly, it's that self-talk that can really lead to massive challenges, right? It's very hard to turn around that negative speak. This is something I still work on all of the time. I really hope that these points have kind of made you go, hmm, yeah, do I lead with love or do I do things because I don't have open communication? Do I judge others and be like, nope, you're not doing that? Do I stop and go, no, you can't go over and visit that family because I don't feel like that's a safe environment for you. And then in your mind, you think, wow, those poor fuckers, like what's going on for there? Or do you just be like, no, they're trash, they're shit. Because honestly, when we lead with love in our decision-making process, we are just a better fucking human being. Okay, I've got another one. This is number four. We're going to talk about loving versus being in love because I know just from all the chats I have with my friends and with clients and with watching movies, we throw around this, I love them, but I'm not in love with them anymore. So I want to kind of pull this apart and kind of dissect what that looks at looks like. Because I think that people's initial reaction is if you love them, you uh, become like their friend and it's the intimacy that's removed. And by intimacy, I mean the sexual intimacy. But I kind of want to go, I want to dive deeper into this because I think that all relationships go through phases. And I think sometimes in society, we pull the pin pretty quickly, right? Uh, Three out of five marriages don't last. So the odds are stacked up against that long-term relationship. So I think the first point I want to talk about is having challenges and then growing with them. One of the things I learned from both my long relationships is as you evolve as a person, which most people do. Most people will have more than one career. Most people will have death, heartache, um, stress, addiction, family issues, childbirth, mental health problems. All of the things that life is going to throw you are going to challenge you as an individual person. So the person that you are when you start your relationship with your partner might not necessarily be the person that you are in five or six years. Now, some people dive into this level of growth and they change as a human, they go down a path of self-development and growth and others might not, others might stay quite stagnant. And this is that whole, um, we grew apart kind of theory. One of the things that I've learned is that I want to be with someone whereby our connection is celebrated and there's an acknowledgement from the beginning 
that it's going to grow. So I don't want in my next relationship to be with someone who isn't open to that level of growth. And I think for me, where my world got rocked when I met Matt was his absolute appetite for always wanting to try more, right? And I find that really sexual. And when I say sexual, I don't mean have sex. I find it sexy. I find it hot. I find it attractive. I'm like, fuck yeah, you want to try that. Fuck yeah, let's travel over there and do this. I find that really attractive. And so as I embark on my future, currently single, I kind of think what are these things that I'm looking for in a person? And the things that I had on my list a year and a half ago that I shared on this podcast about eight months ago are vastly different to now, right? Now I'm kind of a little bit more open-minded and what's more at the forefront is are we going to grow together as a couple and what's that going to look like? Because I want in my relationship to be able to say, hey, I've never been to a sex party, a sex, uh, is it party? A se- yeah, like a sex party night. Do you want to go? Do we want to try that? I want to try this. Do you want to try that? Like I want to be in a relationship where I can have that level of growth, which is incredibly, incredibly important. I thought I had it in my last relationship, but I look back now and we had a level of growth in terms of the things we did, but our actual connection and trying new things was not something we celebrated. And for me, that's incredibly important. So when we think about love and being in love, for me, if I'm in love with someone, I'm able to get over those challenges and grow with each other as a relationship. So you can grow separately as yourself, but then you also have this kind of ability to grow as a couple. So that for me is really important. I think when we look at love and being in love, I think communication, right? You have to, have to, have to bring it up. And it is so easy to fall into I just love them when we stop communicating clearly. So when we stop spending quality time with the person that we love intimately, when we start having children in our bed, when we stop having date nights, when we start going away a lot for work, when we start living vicariously through our children, all of these realistic things start to happen the communication just naturally sinks away, right? Now, if you think of your relationship and you want to stay in love and stay connected, you have to communicate. You have to communicate your needs. You have to communicate your wants. How do you do all that? You have to apply time, right? So if you run a tight schedule and a busy schedule, if you're not scheduling a date night in and if you're not scheduling a health check for your relationship, you're doing it in injustice, right? And this should be the most important thing. This is more important than the kids going to their fucking sports. It's more important than you catching up with your neighbours. It's more important than hosting a barbecue. Nourishing your relationship should be, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, the number one thing. Now, in my old relationship, we did that well. We always carved out time. We, We chose to have a routine. I'm not judging anyone that doesn't. But our kids went to bed at 6.30, right? So from seven at 7 o'clock, everyone was freshly washed and it was adult time and the candles went on and we had a good two and a half hours every single night to do what we wanted. Now, sadly for us, we weren't connecting authentically. We were putting the TV on and being on our devices and that didn't necessarily serve us. And we weren't doing that all the time. But this communication and the emphasis on it and planning it is so important to stay in love with your partner, right? So you don't want to slip into, oh, I love them. 
as soon as you start to be like, wow, when was the last time we really connected? Okay, but when was the last time you said, hey, I feel really disconnected from you at the moment. Let's go for a walk along the beach tomorrow. Let's leave the kids at the neighbor's house. Let's do this, right? Next point for me around love and being in love is passion, right? The passion can't die. (laughs) And it's so easy. And I'm not here saying, you know, if you want to fart in front of your partner and take a poo in front of your partner and do all those things, then do them. And if you can slide from that into being that passionate person, then, hey, that's your story. For me personally, I want my bedroom to be my sacred space. So when I was in a relationship, I wasn't a huge fan of kids sleeping in my bedroom, which they my son does now. I never had a TV in there. I wanted that space to be quite sacred. I'm not saying I would kick my children out if they were in there, if they were sick, but I wasn't, it, it, it was a space of ours. It was our little tranquility, our tranquil space was what I wanted to keep it. It didn't end up working anyway. But having that passion and for me, Again, sadly, busy lives, maybe it's got to be planned. You know, I've got a friend who has sexy Sunday. She has sex with her partner every Sunday, has done for the last 10, 15 years, and they have a really healthy marriage. Now, they have sex once a week. Maybe there might be another time here and there where it happens, but that works for them. And even if one party doesn't want to contribute, that's the night, right? And I've tried this in my relationships and relationship, my last relationship, it didn't work for us. It felt very forced. I didn't feel like it was passionate enough. But keeping the passion alive is so, so important. And I think people think keeping the passion alive means dressing up or buying things or going to, you know, extravagant places, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, right? It can be like turning up with, you know, lunch for your partner you know, when your kids are at school, meeting your partner at lunchtime or having a little secret passion in the car or, you know, it it doesn't have to be extravagant and it's the little things that add up, but you have to balance that passion. And if the passion's dying and you don't feel like you're in love with them and you're not compatible, before you write your relationship off, have the open communication, speak up for what you want and what your needs are and try and work on it together, right? We can see how all these things are really, really intertwined. And then the other thing for me around being in love versus just loving someone is there's words and then there's actions. And I learned this one the hard way, but in my last relationship, I got all the words. I love you, I love you, unconditionally, loyal, loyal, da 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 But none of the actions um, married it up, right? They were all just words. And for me, love itself is an action and there's words and then there's action. And I know that I had to speak up and like, I'm hearing you, but I'm not seeing it, right? I'm hearing all of what you're saying, but I'm not feeling it. Hearing it, not feeling it, hearing it, not feeling it. So yeah, they're my takes, right? So if you feel like you love your person, but maybe you're not in love with them, What are you doing about it? Take ownership of it. Don't wait for them. Jump in the driver's seat. It's your relationship. You you are as much responsible for this as they are. And start that open communication. You know, that's my health check on love versus being in love. Oh, let's talk about the big word, guys. Unconditional love, right? You know, there's just 
what the fuck does unconditional love mean? And are we even supposed to be with one person our whole lives? And, you know, like who the fuck knows? It, no one knows, no one has the answers. I didn't anticipate being single at this age. I didn't anticipate loving men and women, women. I didn't anticipate now sitting here going, it's about the connection. It's not even about the sexual denomination that they identify as. It's just about a feeling like you just don't fucking know, right? The word unconditional love is thrown around and I think when I explored it and did a little bit of research on it, I think that there's a couple of key things around loving unconditionally and being loved unconditionally because I think that for me personally, I think I've probably loved my second boyfriend unconditionally and for me, I'll talk about what that meant like, but I I loved him to the point where it just, I was there for everything, every single bit. There was just so much acceptance. There was no judgment. There was so much forgiveness, support, et cetera. Like I really genuinely loved him. I don't believe that I felt that for Dakota's dad. I don't believe I loved that man unconditionally at all. And I own that and that's not nice, right? And then I don't think I loved again unconditionally until my last partner. So I think I've only loved unconditionally twice in my life. And I've been loved unconditionally from my first, in my first relationship with him. Um, not the one at 13, the next one from 15 to 20. I felt unconditionally loved and supported from him. But to be really honest, I don't believe I was unconditionally loved from my ex-partner of 10 years. I think I thought I was at the time, but let's explore what I think unconditional love is. For me, number one, it starts with acceptance. It's acceptance for who we are. And if I think about my love of them, if I, if I think about my last relationship, I accepted her for all of what she was. And I could see the good, the bad, the ugly, and I accepted her. I don't believe that I had that same level of acceptance because if I did, I wouldn't have felt the need to change. So for me, unconditional love, acceptance, so, so important. The lack of judgment, right? Um, feeling judged in a relationship, that is not unconditional. So if you've got a partner that's judging what you do, what you wear, what you say, where you go, that's not unconditional love. That is not fucking healthy. That is like a red flag heaven, right? you don't judge your partner. So you love them unconditionally. So that doesn't mean you can't have a conversation and be like, oh, hey, I feel uncomfortable when this happens. That's communicating openly. But having judgment and be like, oh my God, when you do this, it does this. Like that's not unconditional love. So if you're in a relationship now and you see that, I think it's a red flag. Forgiveness. Unconditional love is forgiving, right? I think that if you love someone unconditionally, you have the ability to let things go and letting things go means letting them fucking go, not bringing them up a year later, not bringing them up two years later, forgiving them for when they make a mistake. And, you know, there's so much, I mean, it's a whole nother podcast around forgiveness, but there's so much around you don't have to forgive, you should forgive, forgiving's a gift to yourself, blah, 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 blah. But I'm just talking about you're in a relationship, you're loving each other unconditionally, you know, forgive each other for the things that go on. Let the little mishaps just fucking go through to the keeper because keeping score is fucking unhealthy and it is not unconditional love. Okay, this one I love. 
support. Unconditional love is support. So we often say relationships should be 50-50. I don't think so. I think relationships are 70-30 some years. They're 50-50 some years. They're 80-20 other years. They're 65-35. Like there is no rule, right? But you support each other in your time of need. So someone's studying at university, the other one's the breadwinner. The mum's at home um, that that one of the mums is at home and the other mum's working. Like whatever your scenario is, it's about supporting. If you love someone unconditionally, you will support them. Now that doesn't mean you get walked all over. And that's what I'm going to talk about in my next point. But support in unconditional love is so important. If you sit there now and go, hmm, do I feel supported in my relationship? If you can't say yes, then it's another red flag. Okay, this one's important. Boundaries. You've got to have boundaries because boundaries are part of having unconditional love, right? Because you cannot accept abusive or harmful behavior. So if your boundary is, I won't stand for being emotionally blackmailed, I won't stand for being physically abused, I won't stand for being gaslit, I won't stand for da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So whatever your boundaries are, have them. Have your boundaries, allow your partner to know what they are and fucking stick to them. This is something when my relationship broke down that we didn't have, you know, I had a boundary and I kept changing the rules and subsequently I put myself through fucking hell, you know, for 12 months. And I I look back now and I think, wow, I'd create a boundary and then I would just, you know, eliminate it the very next day. So having boundaries is part of unconditional love. So if you're loving someone unconditionally, you've got to have a boundary with them. You've got to know what you'll accept and what you won't accept. And you've got to know what each other's boundaries are. So I was always very trusting in my relationship. If my partner was away or if we were at a party and they wanted to stay and I wanted to go, I never feared um, I never feared that she would do something. So I'd be like, yep, sweet, I'll go home, do the kids, whatever that looked like. And I had a boundary where you had to be home before sunlight. I mean, fucking how easy is that boundary? And I had a boundary that I always needed to know where you were. So when my partner would land, we had to text each other or if we were out and we're in separate spaces, we had to let each other know when we got home. And then if someone didn't do that and that started getting amiss, then you knew it was a absolute, absolute red flag. Okay, last but not least for me around this one, well, maybe not last, I've got one more other actually, it's just selflessness, right? So unconditional love often requires us to put the needs of someone else ahead of our own and remembering the boundary thing we just talked about. So you can be selfless but not at detriment to who you are as a person. And this is what I did. I was so selfless that I forgot who I was or maybe I didn't even really know. So I think selflessness, communication I've already talked about, The other one last thing I want to touch on is just having patience. For me, unconditional love is having patience and riding through the moments that are hard. You know, the first year after having kids is fucking hard and so many people break up in that first year. It's like, wow, should we be making decisions when we're still emotionally charged with hormones and and things aren't necessarily the right way? I don't know. They're my points on what I think unconditional love is. I think that to feel unconditional love when I think back to when I felt it, it was amazing. For me, it was the epiphany of a relationship and I think I chased it for the rest of my life. 
And I did feel like I was unconditionally loved when I was in my relationship and I did feel safe in it, but because it then broke down and it's only now upon retrospect and reflection that I realize it wasn't. It wasn't the type of, and it doesn't mean it wasn't a great love because it was, and there's lots of amazing things, but it certainly wasn't what I thought it was. So they're my points on unconditional love. That's it, peeps. That's my episode on love. I think love makes the world go round. I am a lover of love. I don't know how the fuck I'm ever going to open my little heart up again with the journey it's been on, but I know that when I find it, I'll know. And it's not something I'm looking for because that hasn't been healthy for me in the past. It's just something I know will happen if it's supposed to be. But the biggest gift I gave myself was loving myself unconditionally. So now if I don't find a partner, I'll be okay. In fact, I'll be more than okay. Like... I'm fucking ace to hang out with. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Give us some love. Share us around. Thanks for listening. Make sure you tune in next week.